Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Selly. He's Gordon Mack. Thanks for tuning in live on YouTube or if you're listening archived. Appreciate you being with us today. Gordon, Milrose Recap Show. How are you doing? Doing good. Not only Milrose, Re- Milrose Recap Show, but a great football day. I know that we're a track podcast, but some great football on Sunday. Excited for Chiefs. I'm mean, excuse me. Excited for Bengals versus Rams. It's the matchup I wanted. That's the thing. When your team is not in the playoffs anymore and it's conference championship weekend, you always just want the matchup to be what you want. And every year, the Patriots make it or some team I don't like on the NFC makes it. But this year, the teams I wanted in made it. You got Cincinnati Bengals. Gotta love Joe Burrow. And you got Matthew Stafford trying to win a Super Bowl after leaving Detroit. So I am happy. Back to the track. Not the matchup I wanted, but we'll keep it track specific now. Also should mention this Flow Track podcast is brought to you by Hoka. Hoka has just introduced the most advanced spike shoe yet, the Cielo X. These spikes are powered by the propulsion of carbon. Two varieties, the Cielo MD for mid-distance performance and the Cielo LD made for long distance. I got the long distance ones here if you're watching on the pod in the orange gordon is showing off the mds there for everybody watching at home got that carbon technology gordon that's right everyone got that carbon plate hoka's got that carbon plate this is what you use to run fast Mm -hmm. i'm not sure yet if i'm going to be able to use this spike for my dunking because i'm not sure if it works Mm. too well on asphalt but if hoka wants to come out with a third type of spike one for (laughs) custom just for the flow track podcast dunk attempt we can we can figure that out in our sponsorship deal but no Oka, great spikes coming out they're new we're excited yeah i got the mid distance one you got the long distance one that's all you need yeah to get your colors at hoka hoka.com is the website hoka.com hoka faster forward again the cielo md and the cielo ld are the two models that we have on the pod today. As we mentioned, we're going to talk Milrose today. We'll get more into the college side of things on Wednesday. Uh, stay locked on the FlowTrack YouTube page, by the way. A bunch of stuff coming out this week, as always. We have the rankings. We have the race breakdowns. Later on today, I will release uh, this week's edition of This Week in Track, the fourth episode, where, Gordon, I was able to score my first interview. Um, it wasn't a traditional interview, but a lot of people were talking about that shot put competition where they thought Ryan Krauser had the record, the world record that is. Turns out mismeasurement by the laser. I was actually in a This Week in Track exclusive able to score an interview with the laser from the Milrose games. So you with guys are the laser? Tune in and listen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All I, right, I right. talked to the laser. You're going to have to tune in to see what, you know. Because everybody's ragging on the laser, I wanted to get the laser side of things, because yeah, it's it's not always as it seems. So check that out. Also, we have a whole bunch of interviews from Milrose, just a ton of them, and the ones on YouTube have beautiful thumbnails that you're looking at now. So go <laughs> click on them. Yeah. So we got the we have a lot of interviews. Not all of them are up on the YouTube channel. Also, some are just on FlowTrack.com. Check them all out. And uh, got if you live in I believe Australia, you can watch the Milrose mm-hmm. re- 
replay in full. So uh, check that out as well. Yeah. All right, let's jump in to the results. There's a lot to sort through. Again, you could pick any of four or five events as the lead story. We'll start first, though, with the men's 60. Christian Coleman, his first race, his first major race, back after that suspension that cost him the Olympics, wins it 6.49 over Trayvon Bromel, who ran 6.50. Ronnie Baker up for third, and then Noah Lyles fourth. Coleman graded himself, gave him an A minus, said felt a little bit of rust coming back. Difficult to simulate having someone right on your shoulder in practice, but he looked pretty sharp. This was not a surprise to me. I thought he would come out and get the victory. I was thinking 6-4 mid would be in play, but if you're Coleman, I think you have to be really happy with getting a win and getting a time under 650. Yeah, I mean, he grades himself an A minus, but this is an A for where you're at in your season, for where you're at in your career, for where you're at with this whole, you know, coming off suspension. You really can't ask for a better situation here. Like, he's not supposed to go out there and run 6'3", right? Or even low 640s. And he got out there and he got a win over arguably, you know, a group of the best sprinters in the world. It's not like he went out there and won a, a rinky-dinky, you know, D3 flat track meet or whatever. You know, he, he, he yeah. beat Trayvon Bromel. He beat Noah Lowes. He beat Ronnie, Ronnie Baker. And, uh, you know, you got to take nothing but A out of this. And I think even Bromel, who got second, I think that's an A. Mm. I think him coming up just .01 short, he was closing in on him. There was a little mm -hmm. bit. Was he closing in on him? or was, Yeah, he closed in on him late. So... You know, again, most people aren't going to be running the 60 when it comes to Eugene 2022 outdoors. They're going to be running the 100. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Noah Lyles looked kind of good. He closed. He actually had the biggest close. In his final 10 or 20 meters, he was the fastest. So that mm -hmm. actually makes sense because Noah Lyles is more of a 200 guy. I don't think it says Noah Lyles is going to win the 100. But, you know, I think uh, it shows that Lyles is fit. I mean, he... I bet you – I mean, what do you think even Usain Bolt would have ran the 60 in? Did Usain Bolt you ever run the 60? I don't think he ever did indoors. Yeah. Might like, I feel like – Outdoors. If he ever ran the 60, he'd probably be running what Noah Lyles is running, right? Low 660s, maybe a 6.5 here and there. But, like, 60 meters is just not enough time for someone like Noah Lyles to show his true ability. It is enough time, mm -hmm. though, for Bromel and Coleman. And I think all around, I think everyone can kind of be come, come away from that race being like, yeah, that's what yeah. I wanted. It's a weird situation yeah. where first through fourth are all kind of like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I never understood the perspective that it would take Coleman a bunch of races to get going just because this is a new season and everybody else is taking time to get going. I six he's run six three before, so obviously he's off of that, but this is a this is a debut. So I don't think we are with Christian Coleman, I don't think we're in a vastly different place than we were one uh, two years ago basically it's the same it's the same christian coleman you know there's a couple tweaks here and there where he can improve but i think um he's he's just going to get sharper as the season goes on he said he wants to run world indoors bromel said he didn't i think you're right everybody gets a win out of this i i said lyles if he gets in the top four is a success but that was before bracy scratched 
I still think it's a success watching the race and watching how he closed down. You know, Baker maybe wishes he was a little bit closer in there, but 654 for him is is pretty pretty solid. Um, Romel, I think, just said he's going to run a 200 indoors, and then that's it for him. Coleman, as expected, plans on running world indoors, at least right now. I would assume Baker would as well. Not sure about the rest of the field, though. Are you surprised that Bromel's not doing it? I mean, he could win world indoors. He has won. Well, and that indoors. was, yeah, and that was in that interview that we have up. That was basically his reason why he's not doing it. He said, I've already, I already have it. It's all about outdoors. I don't need another one. Like, I've already proven myself indoors. So I guess he's of the mindset that committing a lot to indoors is going to take away from outdoors. I would like to see, though, more Bromel Coleman. You know, even Col Coleman brought up, hey, this is a kind of good, good rivalry, which is interesting for him to use that word, seeing as how Coleman is the one who's the most recent indoor champion. Coleman is the one who's the most recent outdoor champion, and he owns all the top marks in history in this event. But he was saying, like, hey, we got a little rivalry here, which is fun. So it's a shame we're not going to see it again this year in the 60 again. Outdoors. Perhaps we'll see where these two guys are out at. I just think if Coleman's doing this, this early, this translates to him being in a perfect position by the time we get to outdoors. Yeah. And, you know, I just, once again, this is a moment where Trayvon Bromel deciding not to run the world indoor championships is proof that we have a flawed incentive system for yeah. our professional athletes. The fact that, one of yeah. the best 60 meter runners in the world, not the best, but one of the best is like, no, mm -hmm. I'm good. You know, so yeah. Yeah. yeah I well, I hope, and I hope someone like Baker takes advantage of it. JW in the chat says people don't give Ronnie Baker his credit for being number three all time in the 60. Yeah. We talked about that on, on Friday. It's because that came in that same crazy Coleman season. He come, he's coming in the same era as Coleman, but he's also a lot of that was in the same year as Coleman as well. And now he has the opportunity, though, if Bromel doesn't run. I mean, he would have had the opportunity anyway because he could he could beat any one of these guys um, to take advantage, get a world indoor berth, and then go there and win the whole thing. I think that's that's what he's got to do. But, yeah, his 2017-2018 season was was nuts. And even the 1920s or the the, the 20 season the, before it got canceled there with the 644. I mean, this he's been very, very good for a very long time in the 60. And... I think that means we're going to see him go for it this year indoors along with Coleman. So we'll at least get those two. And maybe, I don't know what's up with Bracey. Maybe he, he comes back and makes it a three-person race. Yeah. All around. I thought it was a, a, fun, a fun race where yeah. we kind of got what we wanted out of it. Wish we could get yeah. more, but hey, that's our sport. Hey, I'm just going to show yeah. up, do a couple invites, <laughs> and then call, call it a season. Well, it was close too. It was a, it was a dramatic finish there. And there's a photo of Coleman at the line, and he's he's almost breaking form, which is weird because you don't really see that from Christian Coleman. But um, yeah, that first one right there, like that that posture you don't normally see from from Christian Coleman. So it was it was a dramatic finish there. You could I had a feeling after thirty when I watch sixties, I'm really bad because my mind is trained to think it's like a hundred. So I'm like, oh okay. They got plenty of, oh, sorry, it's over. That was it. Whoops. Like, what happened? And then I have to watch it 10 times. Isn't it crazy that these athletes, like, flew across the country, 
went through like an hour mm-hmm. of TSA, got you know, yeah. sat on, got into a hotel room, you know, got there early, did this, that, and the other thing, <laughs> all for just six point five seconds of work. Yeah, yeah, indeed. All right, let's let's go to the next race here. I want to talk about a fun one because you you sent me this text on on Saturday and it was a good text. And whenever I get a good text from Gordon, I think it needs to be highlighted on the pod. And it was about Jordy Beam. We're going to go to the distance races now. Uh, it was about Jordy Beamish in the in the 3K. I want to talk first about Beamish, and then we'll get into the other names in this field. But he wins his 3K in a New Zealand record with a huge last lap, last couple laps, actually came from way back to get past Tier and Hawker. Um, explain the, the Jordy Beamish viewing experience to me, Gordon. Yeah, I was like, watching Jordy run races is like watching five seasons of an HBO drama all in one sitting. You know, there's so many highs and lows. There's so many rope dopes There's like, oh my God, they killed the main character. Oh my God, now actually it wasn't true. This whole thing. Because there's these moments when you're like, all right, he looks, he looks strong. And then, then he is like responsible for the entire pack falling off the mm-hmm. pacer because everyone is behind him. <laughs> and he's like, dude, what you doing? You're slowing down. And then all these runners have to pass him. And you're like thinking like, oh, Jordy Bemis, man. He's in over his head. You know, season three, not looking good. And then all of a yeah. sudden, he's like, no, I'm back in it. But you're like, no, nah, it's a little too little too late. Sorry, sir. We're, not, we're done. Season four, it's over. And then season five, he comes in crazy. And yeah. you're like, all right, wow, he's kicking well. He's going to finish with the top group. But then he goes on the inside and he wins. And he closes in 25 seconds, which is one second to two seconds better than everyone else who finished in that top group and finished on the inside. And I was just like, dude, this guy, you're watching him and you think he's in, he's out. He's it's just like, dude, ow. It's it's entertaining as hell. Because now you know he could be being lapped. And you're like, oh well, it's Jordy Beamish, guys. Just wait. He's gonna He's going to make that kick. Uh, but this kind of, I mean, he had this similar type of race in a 3K in college, I remember. It was yep. either in a 3K or 5K at BU where he was mm-hmm. just fart licking his race. It's crazy. It's like on and off. He literally fart licked that last like four laps. He probably, <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> And his victory lap too, because he he was going so quick he couldn't even slow down for the victory lap and just blasted around another another two hundred. Looks like someone had him timed it at thirty eight seconds. He always looks like he's one stride, one second away from being out of it, and then he rallies. Yeah. And then two hundred meters later or fifty meters later, he's on the brink of elimination again, and then he rallies, and then somehow he ends up being in decent position with 200 to go and then your eyes are just naturally drawn to him he's in fifth because he's behind tier hawker grijalva and mance and you're like okay maybe he can do something with this and then he starts going and then it's just like a freight train and then with 100 to go then you're betting on him but you're right the four five six laps previous to that you're just thinking okay he's gonna get dropped oh he's barely in the shot is he in the screen? Okay, hold on. Where is he? One, two, three, four. Okay, he's in seventh. Okay, he's back on. All right, now he's off again. It. You're right. Being his coach would be tough. A lot of respect to to Dathan Ritzenheim because he's probably 
They should have tracked his heart rate yeah, throughout the race. Ritz's heart rate would have been all over the place watching Beamish. Yeah, I mean, it literally looks like he's doing a fart lick. I'm not even kidding. It's just like... He what is, he forgets. He's like, yeah, oh, wait, I got to... Oh, they left? They got to oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you think, like... Because when he falls off, it looks like he is struggling to hold on. And it's like, I don't yeah. have it today. Like, I can't do mm-hmm. it. They're making a move. I'm just... Yeah. My legs are... Like, his legs look heavy. It looks like he's yeah. he's, got, he's got, like, heavy legs. And then you're like, all right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, this guy can, like... He has, like, a stride like Usain Bolt, where it, every one stride is, like, everyone else's <laughs> two strides. And you're like, what's yeah. going on? And he just looks like he's just, like, moonwalking around the track. And is it, like, him, like, being strategic with his energy? Like, is he purposely doing this? I don't know. And where he's like, all right, know, I'm going to go off because then I can add that extra layer of energy to my final lap, which will be more valuable. I don't – it's crazy. I don't know because, well, I'm looking at just like every 200 split here. And he did stay pretty consistent. There was a a 32 about one mile in where everybody else was running 31s. But, yeah, he was just sort of running his own own race. Click on the 200 meter splits in the upper left corner. I'll read it. I'll read it. 30, 31, 31, 31, 30.8, 31, 31, 6, 32, 2, 31, 6, 31, 6, 31, 4, 30.9, and then 25.7 for the last 200. So he was consistent. I think it's a lot yeah. of times he's just, he's just not being overly reactionary to the moves that are being made in the race, I think is, is what's happening. So I think it is it is a roller coaster of emotions, but it's a smart race plan being disguised as this big roller coaster. So, I mean, if you're talking about energy conservation, I think that works, especially on indoors, because you're not making a whole bunch of weird moves and running a whole bunch of extra distance. And that helps when you get down to that final quarter. And that's why you're able to go 28 and then 25 the last two laps. Yeah. Looking at this now, the competitors made it look like he was turning it on and off when really the competitors- They were speeding up were speeding up too much and then dying, you know, so that Jordy Beamish, man, he's the, he's, 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 he was the smartest man in the room that day. That's what he was. Yeah. Well, what'd you think about that last, that last 50, right? Cause if tears a half step over, then this doesn't happen. And then we're talking about tear winning it over Hawker. Now I rewatched this a bunch of times. And Beamish mentioned, hey, Tier and Hawker were preoccupied with each other, which you don't blame them because they're coming off the last curve and they're looking at each other. Um, and especially Hawker was already to the outside. So it's not like Hawker could have moved back in. Tier was on the line coming off the curve. So it's not as if he was out in two giving Beamish a wide area to pass. But he also, you can see from the photo, wasn't dead set in the middle of that lane making Beamish go wide what'd you think about tears tactical decisions in the last hundred i mean it's you can't put it on tier to like hug the rail on that home stretch you're not really thinking about jordy beamish coming out of nowhere like he probably didn't even know he was near him right he took a look but it was too late yeah he looks in but it's too late yeah Yeah. 
I just got to beat Hawker and I win. That basically was the mindset. And uh, yeah, he was almost right. I mean, the people typically don't close in 25 seconds the way Beamish did. So <laughs> can't blame Tier for thinking he had the win. There's actually a finish line shot. Cooper Tier does extend his arms out like he won. It's kind of funny because the pass happened such late that Cooper's brain doesn't have enough time to calibrate that yeah. this isn't, you're not winning. <laughs> And like so, they, yeah. there is a shot where they're both putting their arms out as if they both won. Um, but you know, Cooper Tier, it's fine, man. This this loss isn't that big of a like. You're, it's not that embarrassing. You still ran an incredible fast, a, a good time, good PR, seven thirty nine. Yeah. You gotta take it. It's okay. First pro race. You're young. Uh, you know, yeah. this is Beamish had a, a better, a fun, more fun, unique race. And outkick talker. Too, which I exactly. said, hey, I'm gonna keep picking. I'm gonna keep picking Hawker in these types of races until somebody can prove that they can outkick him. And two guys did it here: Beamish and Tier. Um, it's funny because Tier now has been involved in two races where the position in relative to lane one has mattered. The Olympic Trials, where he stayed in lane one, and then the party moved out to three and four when Chalimo. And the Bowerman Track Club had a little meeting out there. And then this one where, again, once I watched it, I said, well, yeah, he could have moved a little bit, half stride in, but he's still on the line. And you look at most people finishing indoor races, they're not hugging the rail because you're just going too fast off that last curve just to stay that tight inside. And Hawker was to his outside. And, of course, you're going to consider Hawker, given his his credentials. Um, what you Hawker said afterwards? They're going for the American record, or he's going for the American record in the mile. What do you think about that? Where at New Balance Grand Prix? Um, he just said later this season. I'm not sure. Let me look at the mile. So men's indoor mile, Lagat 349.89. I mean, they've run 350. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that that's a goal. Yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll do it at BU. We found this fast mm -hmm. track. That's where you do it. So we go to run American records. What yeah, do you, uh, I... Here's my question. We had a great, yeah. like, in the context of the race we're watching, Beamish is like, that was like, oh, damn. And also Cooper and Tier, I mean, <laughs> Cooper and Hawker uh, were, yeah. um, or no, Cooper and Cole, their first names on it, were both <laughs> Cooper and Tier, Cooper, Hawker, okay, Cooper and Cole. Um, no one calls him Cooper and Toll, Toll, Cole, Cooper and Toll. All right, what that, am I doing? Back to what I'm that's saying. That's going to be the name of their, in, their microbrewery in Oregon. It's going to be called yes, Cooper and Cole. Cooper and Cole. Um, it was a great like performance by these three. They're all running 739. You know, yeah. whoever wins, it's like whatever. It's, it's fine. But like a week ago or earlier that weekend, we had a 726 3K, right? Yeah. 13 full seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think any of these guys have an ability to be in it at the world indoor championship level? Like, it's one thing to uh, to do it against fellow U.S. based training partners, the training com yeah. competitors, but then you look yeah. in Germany and we had someone just solo a seven twenty six. So, yeah. First of all, what do you think? So, what do you think of the seven twenty six? And then, what do you think about how it connects to what these guys did at Miller's. 
Well, Aragawi's an, an up-and-comer, and he's someone to watch for sure, and that's the number five time all-time. And when you watch that end of the race, he, he didn't have a ton of help. It goes out in 1,600 under four minutes. Really, He really went for it. Um, people are taking shots at this record, this world record in the 3K, which is crazy because it seems like it's one of those that was a bit too far out there. But you could also you turn your question around is, are people like Aragawi going to run like that at World Indoors? Are they going to go out and run 30-second, sub-30-second, 200 pace by themselves out there? You know, perhaps, perhaps they will, but I think it's going to bunch up a little bit. They're going to take their foot off the gas a little bit, and then that opens things up for the caliber of runner that we saw at, at Milrose. But I wasn't surprised by Aragawi's time because last year we saw fast indoor 3K performances, people taking a shot at that record, um, which I thought was going to be a little bit too far out there, but apparently it's not. So number five all time, I think um, I think it's open season on that record. And it could be a situation where Aragawi, his priority this year is just running the record, like racing for the record, and it's not even world indoors. So they have to factor that in too. Yeah, I mean, it's just that 25.2, 25-second close is world-class. And you wonder, is Beamish going to be able yeah. to be near that area? Or, like, are we going to have a 739-type race at World Indoors? Or is Jakob Ingebrigtsen going to make it a, a 7, yeah. Yeah. like, 32 race? And then all of a sudden... Running 25 seconds is going to be kind of yeah. kind of hard to do. 100%. 100%. I agree. I mean, it's just going to it's going to be faster than I think we could count on a an outdoor race cuz indoor races at championships, people put position at a premium, so then they go and they they're more eager to get out in front and and spread things out a little bit. But I don't I mean, I don't think they're going to be going 730, sub 730 at the at the World Indoor Championships with rounds and everything. I don't Yeah. Maybe though, if you and your country fellow countrymen, countrywoman qualify, then you are going to want to push the pace. We haven't had a world indoors in four years since the you know, super shoe thing started. So that could be part of it too. People, we just saw people push it way earlier last year, last couple of years. Um, Tom mentioned on the chat, Windy City Invite is where they're doing the mile record attempts in Chicago. Mm. The Wisconsin meet. That's in two weeks. Let's go. Let's go to the women's mile. Uh, Purrier, Eleanor Purrier, St. Pierre, 419.30. I said on uh, my edition of This Week in Track this morning, Gordon, it's just she's far and away the best women's miler in the United States. Like it's, the gap um, is clear. You know, Josette Norris ran a great race there, 420. Uh, for her, Klosterhofen of Germany and Hull of Australia, three and four. But when you add up just Purrier's body of work over the last couple of years, it's clear she's the best miler in the United States and ran like it in this race, just total show of confidence. Did you ever think like, once she went to the lead that she would lose this race? No, 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 no. I mean, I think right now, when he looked at the field, the field looked like El Perrier and everyone else. Like they didn't, there was no Safan Hassan in this field. There's no Lore Muir. Mm -hmm. There was no Shelby Houlihan pre- fan you know so like yeah. it kind of just looked like it was her race to lose and if she was going to be fit and healthy and you could kind of yeah. figure that out mid-race you're like all right 
Elle's going to win this race. And she did. And she did. And the pace went out quick. And she they laid off the, the rabbit a little bit. So Purrier essentially served as the rabbit for the entire field. She got to dictate the terms for everybody. And you look at the splits, it was just a, you know, 64-9, 64-7, 65-8, and then closes in 63-7. It was, it was a clinical the way she did this. Very meticulous and is already in really good shape. Um, clearly good run by Norris though for third or for second. I mean, 420.81. We talked about debated 5K versus 15 last week. What did you, you said 15, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. she just beat, the, um, she beat the two qualifiers that made the Olympics in Heather McLean and Corey McGee. Now, again, other people beat them too, but like, yeah. Who else out there is a miler? that female miler that wasn't in this race that, you know, I mean, Sinclair Johnson, maybe uh, it's kind of hard to find yeah. other people. I mean, her getting second in this race is I think really good proof that like she has a strong chance to finish top three because you look across yeah. at the women's three K and you saw Alicia Monson run seven thirty one and uh, Wendy yeah. Claudia run 33. And you know, the Bowerman women are out there. Like I feel like Josette Norris, this mile performance is yeah. a very big indicator that you got to do the 1500. What were your thoughts when a thing Mo was right there at the 1200 mark, went through at 316, was in fifth? Well, my thoughts were this is exactly what I thought was going to happen, right? Because I was like, she's going to go out. She's going to be like, she's going to go along the train. She's going to get pulled along. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens, right? And she, mm -hmm. clearly she can handle 12, 1200 meters of it but then mm -hmm. you know she runs the eight for a reason right that's i guess we were we were thinking all weekend are we going to see the craziest athlete we've ever seen in our lifetime and come out there and be like yeah i can run 419 as well um yeah luckily that moment is still on hold and uh we'll have to wait maybe another year or two till we see a thing mo add an extra quarter mile to her 1200 yeah. to stay with the top top dogs I think she should get immense credit for even doing this race. The only thing that I'm bummed at, like there was no shame in not winning this race, but she ran this race to win this race because she was putting herself in a position to win. Cause there was that second group, Gordon, that broke off. She could have run with that second group and finished, you know, low four thirties, but she put herself in a position to win. The only thing that bums me out is I just wanted to have a, see a time like i wanted to finish even if it wasn't her best race just so we could have a good gauge of where she's at in the mile and by not finishing we don't we don't get that I understand it obviously she's not the only person who's dropped out of a race but when you go through 316 that's that's some pretty quality running i mean if she goes through 320 321 maybe she's able to hang with that group and then break for 430 which would be a a big accomplishment but she ran this race like she wanted to win this race, which I give her a lot of credit for. And she entered a race that was not easy, not going to be an easy race out of her preferred distance. So I give her credit for that as well, too. Yeah, she only had to do one more lap, you know? That's all she had to do. Well, did she, was it one to go or two to go when she dropped out? I, I didn't see it because she started drifting so she, back. She had a split at 1,400 meters. So oh, okay. She just had Where 200 was she? meters to go. She was. Where was she? So, 
she was in sixth place, but she was clearly falling off, right? Because she ran 350.5. So she was right behind yeah. like Sage Herta and Shannon Osika. Um, and she so still had good, like though. a three second. She still had a three second lead on Heather McLean with 200 meters yeah. to go. Yeah. It makes me feel like she was like dead. Maybe like she just pushed her body to like, I'm done. Like I can't, my legs aren't yeah. going. I'm not going to go. I would have to run like a 30 second, not 30 second, uh, like a 50 second, 200 to get around the track. So, yeah. So, okay. We have a, we have, we have four. 1400 meter split on her 350. So yeah, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a bummer. Again, I wish she could have held on for just one, one more lap, but um, I didn't see afterwards if she made any comment about, about how she was feeling out there. But when you go out there and you're running, you're running with her St. Pierre, you're running with one of what the best, we say 10 milers in the world, 15. I mean, it's not, not very many. And you have, yeah. You know, a, a, a top group here of a bunch of people in the top 30, 25 in the, in the world in the mile. And you just jump right in. You try to try to run with them. That's that's a that's a bold move from her. Um, yeah. But just disappointed she wasn't able to. Uh, we, we weren't able to, to see that finish. Um, all right. What's next, Gordon? You want to do women's 3K? Women's eight? Men's eight? Shot put? We'll keep we'll do three k same distance and then we'll go out back into. I mean, Alicia Mons is just really good. Alicia yeah. Mons is just really good right now. I mean, it's just it's just uh, impressive what she's doing and similar race style, I would say, to Per Saint Pierre, where she just ratcheted down that pace. Now the field that she was going against wasn't as deep as the women's mile, but she had Kaladi on her back and just ran away from her in the second half of the race. And I don't think she even needed to run that way. I think she's confident enough in her kick. She could have slowed down for a while and then kicked, but she just kept pushing and kept pushing. So I thought just the less so than just winning, just the way she won was noteworthy to me. Yeah. And when you look at the, the field, like you said, it is not as deep as the, the women's mile field. Um, there's a lot of notable 5K runners who aren't in this race. Yeah. But you run a, a world lead, meet record, facility record, personal best, 831. Yeah. You're, once you're getting close to that 830 flat mark, that's like a, that's a, like a next step. That's like a next level up for who you are as an athlete. You know, a lot yeah. of times, some women, you know, it's, you know, it's about breaking nine minutes, right? When you're in college, you're like, whoa, I broke nine minutes in college. And then it's like, all right, to be the top in college, you got to run in the 840s. And then mm -hmm. to, to make now that bigger jump, another 20 second jump and run in the low 830s, cracking potentially into the 820s. That's like, that's like the final level of like elite women's like 5K running is being an 831 to 825 type runner. Uh, and yeah. it looks like she's she's got that. We know she can handle the 10K, right? Because she qualified in the Olympics in a 10K. Now that she's running yeah. these 831s, she she's not going to be like, oh, I only can handle I I only can handle the 10K. I'm not really I don't have that kick. But this shows that she's going to have a kick, and yeah. you know she may become a a potential 
year in and year out, 5K, 10K doubler if she's able to continue yeah. on this streak that she's doing. Well, and with Kalati being right there, I know she didn't get the win, though, but we're going to – we got another pretty good race between the two. And I don't think Kalati's going anywhere either. So I think we could be in for a couple years of these two battling each other in cross, in track races, indoor and out, and also roads as well. Because they're both really versatile. We don't think of Kalati as a closer, but she puts her, in terms of just like a kicker, I should say, but she puts herself in positions. Um, I mean, she just runs the legs off the rest of the field. So your time is your time. doesn't matter if you ran the last 230 or 38. Like if you get there before everybody else is all that matters. So I, I, I think we could be entering into a cool Monson Kalati chapter i mean we've already the book's already like 200 pages long based on what they did in cross country in college and and indoor and outdoor in college but this could be this this i wasn't expecting a pro edition to be as compelling as it is and it is yeah and uh yeah i'm excited to see what alicia monson does now like she kind of had like her breakout moment right at the trials where it's like yeah. oh that's it was like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, yeah, she made it, yeah. top three. But now she's going away from like the the cool story to now like, mm -hmm. no, I'm an established person who's not a one hit wonder. I'm gonna like, yeah, I'm gonna be in top three for many many years. Yeah, which is hard to do. What did you? Th <laughs> Very hard yeah, to do. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, women's eight. Ajay Wilson got the win over uh natoya ghoul did not see a a high school record so i got that one one of many things i got wrong over the weekend in terms of of predictions but wilson looked as good as always which she hasn't lost at the armory and was it nine years they said <laughs> so there's some absurd some absurd stat there that and like the willis stat with the 20 years in a row of sub four just like whoa yeah i mean not gonna lie, this race was kind of a little boring. I mean, two of one, three. Once a thing Mo was out of it, it's kind of like it turned into just like, all right, who wants to just take it at the very, you know? And Ajay Wilson with her establishment and her win streak in Milrose is what we got. Yeah. It would have been nice if one of the high school kids broke a record. They're in a race to do it, but I guess it just wasn't meant to happen today. But I think it will happen eventually. I think these two women, one of them, if not both, will will get close and potentially get it. Well, and I thought for Wilson after how last season ended, I to to beat Ghoul, who's a good, you know, again, top top ten runner in the world, I think that was something that she's gonna gain some confidence from. But I hope we see Wilson versus Mo this indoor season. Moe's still obviously the favorite. But I just yeah. I would hope we would see it this indoor season. Yeah, maybe USA's, right? USA's? I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I, I don't count on any indoor uh, matchups happening. Whoops, sorry, my mic. Uh, I don't count on any indoor uh, matchups happening until I actually, like, the gun goes off and they're actually running on the track. Um, men's eight. Similar vibes? Did you get similar vibes to the women's eight in the men's eight? Yeah. The, when, again, when the thing mows out and when Donovan Brazier's not 100%, like, all in on the eight, it's kind of just... yeah dissipates this like it's not as interesting i mean 146 is like 
the 800 just isn't that fun indoors if you don't have like superstars up front because you're just gonna get 201s two flats 146s mm-hmm. 145 highs like you're not gonna get it's that's the one thing that sucks a lot about the 800 indoors is that it is so night and day different from an outdoor 800 because an outdoor right. 800 you can you can get going and you can run low 140s and it's like exciting but like it is hard to run exciting times in an 800 just because of the way 200 meter track is you know it's kind of like a 200 like when a guy runs a 200 an elite time is like 20.1 which is like it's not that time. weird it's not that random yeah I, an indoor in, in because a lot of Pro two hundred meter runs won't even run the indoors. Yeah, we'll, well, I'm saying we'll see. There's, yeah, what I'm basically saying, there's a lot of difference between an eight hundred and even a four hundred and a two hundred, two hundred, four hundred, eight hundred. Their indoor times are just not as exciting because you know that it's so much better outdoors. Whereas a sixty, that can still be exciting because you can kind of be the same as a hundred outdoors. And then once you get to the mile and up, you're still running similar type times as an outdoor mark. It's that mm-hmm. middle ground of 200, 400, 800, which is kind of like, yeah, we know outdoors fun, more fun, more better. <laughs> well, Hopple gets the win, 146-0. Kick pass Cerrone. I think that's a confidence builder for Hopple after last year. Harris looks solid, as always, in third. 7-8, um, a, dispo- a little surprising with Hunter and, and Isaiah Jewett um, at the back half of the field. But you're right, Brazier wasn't there. Brazier in the quarter. Brazier's first lap, he looked like an 800-meter running runner running a 400, which is what's happens when an 800-meter runs a 400. Got going there, said he tried to make a move on the backstretch, which he shouldn't have done. But he, he acquitted himself fine. Um, 46, I mean, it was nothing you, you know, nothing spectacular. It's not going on his all-time career highlights list for Donovan Brazier, but it shows he's healthy. And he said it was good just to race again because he had – you know, bad memories of the last time he raced, which was at the Olympic trials when he didn't make the team and was obviously devastated after that race. So he gets, he gets out on the track. Like I would, I'm already coming up with now after one, after one big pro meet with this list of pro races I want to see. And it's just obvious stuff. It's like, all right, I want to see Brazier Hopple now because we know Hopple's fit and in shape. We know Brazier's back. Let's put them together and let's see what happens. Wilson and Mo. I know it's obvious bad. stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah. Brazier's going to win. You know what's going to happen? Yeah, Brazier will well, win. I mean, that, that you want to see it still. <laughs> I want to like, see it what, still. Okay, hold on. Hold, hold on a second, though. Why are you so confident in Brazier? You saw him run a 46-400. Just to play devil's advocate here, you saw him run a 46-second 400. Because I think Brazier's only going to race Hopple when he knows he can beat him. And we saw that today. I mean, on Saturday. He ran the 400 because he knew he wasn't going to beat him. Okay, well. I I think Brazier is in a situation. Eventually, he has to like, race a, him, though. Eventually, he has to well, race him. Eventually, yeah, eventually but, he, yeah. you know, eventually you got to trade Ben Simmons, but you don't need to worry about it until the trade deadline, right? He doesn't need to worry well, about no. beating Hopple no. until later on in the season. So he's going to But you're time. You're so confident, and then you're once, so confident that, that he would have beat him. You're so confident that he, he's going to beat him in the future, but you just said yesterday he didn't think he would beat him. And that's why he ran the quarter. Yeah. You're putting a lot of stake confident. in the next. Co- 
when's he gonna race? So in the next four weeks, you're just like that. This is training in the next four weeks is that ideal for Donovan Brazier that he goes from? Well, we're not. I, I don't think he. I don't know if he would have lost to that field. I think he could have won beat that field. My point is, we don't know. We have so, so my point is, limited data on the on on all these guys, but particularly Brazier. Yeah, like I don't think he's gonna run U.S. indoors if he thinks he's gonna get second to Hopple. I, he's not. He's, he's already said he's not going to. Pretty much, I don't think. Yeah. He's so his, yeah. his coach. He knows his body. He knows what's important, and I think he he's gonna take his time. He also recognize he does. I mean, we could have a situation where Brazier just doesn't run ever because he has a buy all the way to world champs, <laughs> right? Ever. So you could just be like, never I'm never running an 800 until July first sh- round of the eight. Just shows up in Eugene. Shows up. Lives in Portland, so yeah, he just he never needs to travel, just hangs out there all the time. Takes the bus down. You know what'd be fun? Okay, if like we... at mm. like world championships, the people who have buys, right? Like Grant Holloway, Christian yeah. Coleman, Donovan Brazier, etc. Little Muhammad, they like get to start be like the the starter of the race, and they get to hold the finish line tape, or something like that. Just, they just get to be a part of it. They get to be like the VIP watcher of the mm-hmm. race. <laughs> All right, let's go to the I mean, women's 400. Wild and Jonathan's got the win. I was interested in Raven Rogers, obviously, drop it down distance, but she got tripped up, so can't really read anything into her time. Uh, women's 60, Aaliyah Hobbs, Micaiah Briscoe go 1 2. Another good race for Hobbs. And then in third, Shanti Jackson, the high schooler, breaks the high school record in the 60. That was exciting to watch. And then 60 hurdles, uh, Devin Allen. He gets the win over Daniel Roberts. Pretty that was a that was an exciting race for six year race. And then for the women, Brittany Anderson of Jamaica seven ninety one. She gets the victory. Um, Kenny Harrison was back in fourth. Any any of those re- results stand out to you? Uh, Hobbs looking good in the sixty. I'm excited for um, eventually where the sixty is going to end up by the end of the indoor season. As we know, Elaine Thompson, hurrah! going to be incorporating herself into that 60. So I'm just excited, yep. not really about Aaliyah Hobbs specifically, but just like, what will the women's 60 look at look like mid-March? And are we going to be like, whoa, this is a crazy year for the women's 60 the way it was a crazy year for the women's 100 in 2021? Mm-hmm. So um, there's we haven't talked about the Wanamaker Mile yet on the men's side. Did we not get to the Wanamaker Mile? We are now going to the Wanamaker Mile. Excuse me. Yeah, I thought we did. My apologies. No, we did the women, uh, not the men. Hor and Kerr, the two names we talked about, I thought Kerr would be able to get it done. He made that typical Josh Kerr push. It was not enough. And Oliver Hor runs 350, breaks the Aussie record, and and gets the win. Do you think of this more as confirmation of what you already knew about Oliver Hor, or do you see this as Oliver Hor entering a new chapter, a new phase, a new level? Nah, confirmation. There's no new phase entered. And confirmation on Kerr. Like, Kerr and Hoare were clearly the best of the field, and they showed that, and they pulled away. Like, there was no surprise here that happened. I look at... I also knew it would be quick, right? Because Hoare likes to push the pace. He's not a a sitting kicker. Runs a world lead. Gets a big PB. Um, I thought Kerr might be able to hold on a little bit. Kerr did fall apart in that final, like, 120 meters. Um... I think really the only big surprise of this meet 
was Colby Alexander, low-key, being able to hold on with Hor and Kerr for a majority of that race. Still fell mm-hmm. off near the end, but still runs a 352. Yeah. That was impressive for me, for Colby. Um, but yeah, Hoare, 350. I think Kerr, on a better day, could be up there running 350 as well. But those two guys, yeah. I mean, they're in their prime. And they're going to be eyeing making another 1,500-meter final and setting himself up to potentially find a way to, to medal for Kerr again and for Hoare for the first time. Your pick for third, Garcia Romo, ran really pretty well, got sixth in a, in a tough field, um, 357. It is interesting to see how much things break open on an indoor track. Yeah. Because you're so used to everybody jamming in between three or four seconds, maybe you know even less than that, and then maybe a, a two stragglers off the back. But there's just like these gaps that, that emerge here. you got Hoare, who's like a second and a half up on Kerr right next to Alexander, and there's like another two and a half seconds to Prakel and Gregoric, and then another two seconds to Garcia Romo, and then another second to the next person, the next person. And it, it, it's just interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess it shows a couple things. One, people are not shy about pushing the pace indoors and really going for it and trying to get position. And two, everybody's just at such a different part of their training cycle right now. So you get some people who are really riding a hot hand and others who are just getting into it right now. Um, so I have you know, three questions you look at, like, for you. Okay. For this race. Can I do, hit yeah. you with the three questions? First question. Yeah. They're all kind of similar. What are your thoughts on Hobbs Kessler only running 359? Only? Only? Why are we doing only? I mean, the guy is probably looking for this year. He wants to make a world team this year, right? And 359 is running like the, is like the 35th fastest time in the NCA. You know what I mean? Well, so... He he beat some guys though. He beat some guys. He beat not some worried guys. about Hobbs we'll, we'll, we'll You're not worried. That's what I meant. Are you worried? You're not worried, or are you just like, all right, that's fine. Just like not a, worried. And that's going to be my. The, that's going to be the theme of my answers. Is not worried. I can see where this segment is going. Go ahead. Doug. Okay, number two. What are your thoughts on Nick Willis breaking four once again for the twentieth year in a oh. row? Oh, I mean, it's crazy. Like Hobbs Kessler's not even twenty years old. Willis's streak of breaking sub four is older than his training partner. Um, it's just, it's just an incredible show of of longevity. Say he doesn't know what he's going to do next, so I don't know if I think every year he should just give it a shot at, at Melrose. I think that should be an ongoing segment that Melrose does. And even if he's like way off and running four fifteen when he's like forty five, I still want to see it. So <laughs> sign me up. I mean, or we should just be like, hey, man, just update the streak to like consecutive four sub 405s or sub 410s <laughs> or sub 420s. It's like, <laughs> whatever. Make the it like, is, well, yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, sub five minutes. Hell, he should be going up there and be like age 60 and be like breaking five once again. Mm-hmm. That's what he should do. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, well, it shows that like, I mean, it's a cool thing to do, right? Because it, he has like that carrot of like, wow, 20 straight years, but it's still hard to like train to like break four minutes in a mile. Like, yes, he's been to the three fifty zones and he's been oh, yeah. highs, highs making world championship finals and meddling, but like, yeah, it's still like to get up and train to run three fifty nine. It's, it's work. Yeah. And it's not his full-time job anymore. Right. He's doing the whole tracksmith stuff. So yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's a, there's got to be a point where, like, hey, man, I just kind of want to sit on a couch and do nothing. But 
One day he's going to get to that. Now, I don't know what it is. Now is not the point. Uh, people are in the chat brought up that Hobbs was pacing Willis. So oh. if that's the case, then then and he a great run and get him a great solid. Maybe he was. He just like sacrificed himself. Look, Hobbs Kessler already sacrificing his. Uh, I know he's the young guy. He's the young guy sacrificing the... himself for the older guy. Yeah. Good guy. What? Uh. Yeah. I mean, do you? Where do you think this streak ranks in like track and field legacy marks, like in the world? Like, which is what? Is this a big deal? Is it? Is this? Yeah. Is this Cal Ripken yeah, Jr. esque? Is this a uh, well? I, Wilt Chamberlain hundred points. What are we seeing here? Uh, it's exactly Wilt Chamberlain hundred points. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, I mean, sub four in and of itself. In in a world where people are running three fifties all the time, the world record is m- well under three three fifty. In and of itself is not noteworthy. Like someone runs sub four now, it's not. Stop the presses they ran sub four. But yeah. it does indicate that you're at a really high level. And, it, and it, when you do it in races like Milrose, where, you know, people ran 405, 403, 403, 401. So a 359 gets you ninth in a, in a really good field of 13 people. It's, it's saying you're still at an elite level. So being at an elite level for 20 years is is important. I mean, it's not, we've talked about this before, it's not equivalent in any way, shape, or form to sub 10 in the men's 100, right? Or find find whatever, you can find a number, but it's not going to be the number that you think it is. It's going to be something in an event that a lot of people do every single year. Because a lot of people break four every single year. But just to be able to do it and to be, injury free and not have any issues over the course of 20 years and be at that elite level for that long. Cause it's not as if he's just been squeaking by with like three fifty nine nines and not being a factor. He's been relevant in a lot of races throughout his entire career, even in the back half of the career. Like he still gets mentions. He was still winning Wanamaker miles or sorry. He was still in the mix for Wanamaker miles for, um, you know, up, up until a couple of years ago. So, yeah, to me, it just confers, all right, you're 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 still able to mix it up in elite fields. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a record that's not going to be broken. I don't think there's someone out there. Who's second? Who's, gonna who's wa- second right now? Do we, know? Wanna, do we know who's second? I don't know. But, like, I just don't think there's someone out there who wants to do it 20 years in a row. Like, Oh, yeah. You got to want to do it, too. Um, yeah, I want to do it. It takes a unique individual to like, I want to like, yeah, because you got to have that carrot to keep you going. Right. And the thing that Willis had was even though the last few years, he hasn't been like trying to make, get a medal. I mean, 2016, he was running well. You could, yeah, uh, exactly. When did he, when was his last year of relevancy? Like at the world, I guess 17. I'd have, I'd have to look it he's up, but I mean, 17. he's, I don't know, but he goes to Milrose every year and he's there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Or he runs like, yeah. like any, any number of these, that's what I'm saying. If you can run around that time or, you know, a couple seconds faster, maybe not 359, but if you can run 355, you can win races at mid distances every now and then against really good people. So, 
right, before we they go, though, I'm going to do... Uh, they should rename this the Nick, Nick Willis. Willis the, the Nick Willis Wanamaker Mile. The, wa- the Willow Maker yeah. Mile. Willis Maker Mile. Um, I, I had two uh, more questions. Shot put. Shot put. Yeah, before up, before we talk about shot put, I know it's fine, but I just got to ask it. Okay. You're going to ask me if I'm worried about Murphy about... or Angles. No. Or Angles. No. no? No. Okay. They just turned no. it off? They just said we're they done. They, they pulled it on the thing Mo, but they, they, fin- they pulled no, in the thing just... Mo, but they just like, instead of DNFing, they finished? No, they just, I mean, what did Angle? Angles was right there. He was in fourth with 300 meters to go, it looks like. Yeah. And then fell apart and then went backwards and moved back six spaces and <clears throat> started running 16 second 100 meter segments where everybody else was running 14s and 13s so yeah that wasn't good murphy i mean he was towards the back of the pack for the entire time but i mean he's a we, we think of him as an 800 meter runner so no 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 not worried about either it's the end of it. january it's fine Just trying to get you on now, record that's all it's need you on record not worried are you worried mm. Maybe. Maybe. Might I'm definitely worried. not worried about Murphy. I'm not worried about him. In the I want to see mile. one more race. If I get back-to-back these, then I might get worried. If I have two. You're allowed one. Everyone's allowed one. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any, anything to worry about. Any Like, look at the back half. I mean, I don't know. Just in general. Like, like it's the same thing with Hobbs Kessler, regardless of what he was doing. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it, like, I'm not going to – I'm not going to say – I'm not going to make a uh, person a prediction based on the year with with one race from Milrose, where you you step into the lion's den in this race because you have someone like Oliver Hoare who's ready to roll and run 350, and that's tough. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Right. That's it. That was all. Ryan Shot Crosser. put that's the lasers. What'd you think? What'd you think? Well, can you kind of explain what happened? <laughs> you didn't pay attention. No man, I mean I was doing all I was doing all this stuff. Okay, so second throw, they say it's twenty three thirty eight. Yeah, second throw, they say it's twenty three thirty eight, which would have smashed his indoor record and beat his outdoor record by a centimeter. It was weird though because the celebration wasn't that big, and it didn't even look that far. Because I saw the replay, I was like, wait a minute, isn't like that didn't look like it was his farthest throw ever, but. I was like, all right, I must have seen it wrong. It's not as if I've you know, memorized every single shot put throw in history. Get to the end of the competition. He goes to the media area, and, and he posts a thing on Instagram too and says the laser was placed wrong, so his, his mark and all the other marks were invalidated. They found that throw later. They were able to find the mark, and it was 2250, but it didn't count because you have to measure it like at the moment. Um, so everything was wiped out. So for initially, Krauser said they thought the reader board was off and it was just showing 2338, but it was a shorter throw because he said he knew as soon as it left his hands, it wasn't a world record throw. But then they found out, no, 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 it was the placement of the laser was off. It was recording the marks. So everything was was off. So you look at the results and it just says canceled on the shot put. So big time bummer for him. Big time bummer for me who said that he would break the world record on his first throw. I was feeling really good about him doing it on a second throw, and I was just ready to come in hot to the pod. 
but um, mid 22s is still really good for an opener. He's also doing like he mentioned in the post race his like he's doing like a scaled back approach too. So like to break if he would have broken the world record overall world record throwing like that, like he would have thrown 23 or 24 meters by the end of the season because he was basically doing a scaled down version of how he normally throws and it got him to mid 22s, but to get that extra meter or half a meter to get into 23s, he needs to turn it up a little bit more and, and he didn't do that. So he knew it was short, but it's just a bummer that none of the, the marks count at all. All right. That's all. Think any foul play? Do you think any, do you think any foul play was involved with the location of the laser? You think there was well, a fellow gotta... shot putter who was like, nah, I don't want Krauser getting his glory today. We're messing with this laser. That's, that's why you got to listen to my interview with the laser on this weekend track. Cause we get into that. Okay. Um, no, I, here's the thing, though, and I brought this up. How does this happen? This could have been, yeah, just the, cali the calibration's off. I mean, we had this situation at Texas Tech, right? But that was just totally different. Someone just yelled out 13 and, or 14 instead of 13. Here, but here's where it could have really gone wrong. Because Krauser's basically said, hey, I threw 2250, but that mark doesn't count. None of it counts because it was measured, like, too late. So there's a world in which he threw the world record actually threw the world record, but it was mismeasured and they realized the laser was off. And then they only find out later once they get the measuring tape out. And then that would not have been, that would not have counted, which would have been a much worse scenario to be in. Or imagine it's measuring short. And then afterwards they're like, wait a minute, that felt like 2340. And then they go out there and they measure it and like, whoops. Yeah. Everything was a meter short this entire competition. Sorry. So it's, it's embarrassing and unfortunate but it could have been a lot worse if it took away like a fully valid world record or if this was a trials type scenario where you had uh championship berths on the line yeah uh it sucks but i mean I think Krause is kind of like, whatever, I'm going to break the world record tomorrow. <laughs> like, well, he, literally can, yeah. he probably breaks the world record like every third practice. We just don't even know about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. We'll leave it there. We'll talk a lot of college stuff on Wednesday, update the rankings and any other results that slip through the crack. We'll get to that on, on Wednesdays. Thank show. Thanks to Alon for producing. Thanks to Hoka for sponsoring the pod. Again, go to Hoka.com today. Hoka faster forward. My co-host Gordon Mack. I'm Kevin Sully. Thanks everybody for subscribing and listening to the Flow Track Podcast. We'll see you next time.